This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Welcome to Islam Review. I'm your host, Basima Hassan, and I greet you with the universal greeting of peace. Assalamu alaikum. On today's program, I have an honored guest here, well known and renowned for his propagation of Islam around the world. Sheikh Khaled Yassin, we will be discussing about Islam in America, the problems and solution. Assalamu alaikum. Ladies and gentlemen, sister. How are you doing, brother? Alhamdulillah, thank you. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, mashallah. Alhamdulillah. So as far as with Islam in America, do you think that there is a problem with Islam in America? And if it is, what is that problem? What are the problems? Well, actually, um, Sister Basima, um, what I'd like to discuss is Islam and America. Uh, some people, uh, it, it often comes up, Islam in America. Okay. Uh, you know, like an like organ inside the body. Mm-hmm. But actually Islam is an entity. And America is an entity. Right. And if you, if you separate those two entities and uh, try to evaluate them, um, within Islam, uh, the people who profess Islam and embrace Islam around the country, they have problems. We don't like to. We don't like to say that, you know. Right. Nobody the, the, wants to the, the, the Muslim family, Muslim family. We don't like to admit that there are no problems in Islam because exactly. Islam is uh, is the Quran yes. and the um, the Sunnah or the traditions of the Prophet Muhammad peace and blessings upon him. The Quran as a revelation is perfect, uh, and anyone in the world who examines it from the past to the present will find it's perfect and comprehensive. Uh, the life of the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, is documented for everybody to examine, like an open window. Yes. Um, that he's an example for the whole world. Those who know him and those who don't know him. Uh, and there's no human being in history whose life has been documented to such a degree. Uh, but nobody has found uh, any documented errors or blemishes in his life. So it means that he is worthy uh, for the world to look at as an example. Because we do need human examples. We do. Uh, but the Muslims as a people, we are people who profess Islam. We embrace Islam. I, we were born Muslims or we became Muslims. And so we say that uh, our system of life is Islam. Now within us as a body of people, there are many problems. And having examined the, and traveled the Muslim world, mm-hmm. and, and now so, you know, I've seen my universal family, my global family. So you traveled everywhere. So now well, 37 countries, 189 cities, I think, you know, I've touched most of the places. Wow. So now, Muslims as a people, to be objective, I have to say that we have a lot of problems. We have a lot of resources, but we have a lot of problems. So when I talk about Islam, I'm talking about the resources of the Muslim world, Mm -hmm. and I'm talking about the deficits and the problems of the Muslim world, including the Muslims in America. When I talk about America, and I am an American, I mean, by every definition of the word, uh, I, I was born in America, born in Harlem, New York, raised in Brooklyn, New York, so I'm a... You know, I'm a New York homeboy, um, you know, um, uh, you know, whatever people want to call it, you know, uh, uh, you know, and I've traveled all over America. I've been to the dirty south and the dirty north. Um, so I know the streets just like I know uh, the, the mosque. I'm just as comfortable in the street as I am in the masjid. So uh, I know America. And I became Muslim around the time that um, Al-Hajj Malik Shabazz, one of our modern um, uh, uh, 
heroes, uh, better known um, to the public as Malcolm X. I became Muslim in the same year that he was martyred. Uh, and so um, what I can say is that he was one of the voices that began to unveil to us what we didn't know before, some of the real problems that existed in America. Well, some of those problems that existed then, they have been compounded now, it's just they've been polished a little bit. They've been, you know, a problem uh, is like something that just keeps growing on the inside, but people can cover it and sophisticate it so that you don't really see it. Or, as he, you know, or, or as he mentioned it, you can anesthetize the people. You know, you, you give them music and you give them sports and you give them all kind of little gadgets and gadgets and things to do, distractions. And so it's like Novocaine. You know, somebody's pulling out a tooth or somebody's doing an operation like on you, a major operation taking place, but you don't even know what's going on. It's your body, but you don't know because you've been anesthetized. Mm. So we Americans moving out of the ghetto uh, framework, because now, Masha, um, from a sociological point of view, I look at human beings now differently. I don't see human beings anymore black and white, north and south, foreigners and, you know, uh, no, I don't look at them. I look at human beings as the people who occupy this earth by the grace of God, because they come by the grace of themselves. So the people that occupy them, this earth that have intelligence are, are, are humans, because animals don't have intelligence. Right. So the human beings that occupy this earth, either they are responsible or they're not responsible. Now if they're deaf, dumb, blind, uh, crazy, uh, dysfunctional, and they're in institutions, maybe we say they're not responsible. But the people that's living and working, uh, wherever they are all over the world, speaking different language, they are responsible for the assets they have been given. We Americans, as human beings that occupy this part of the earth called America, we Americans, we have been told that we are a privileged people, and we are. Uh, um, uh, from an um, economic point of view, from a uh, political point of view, from an um, uh, uh, academic point of view, from many points of view, um, we are a privileged people. But from a moral point of view, this is probably um, the this is probably the the the, um, the belly of the beast. Mm -hmm. um, the things that pe that take place in America and in Europe among humans inside their homes, justified by the society and the government, and put on billboards and just done from all the way up and down the line. It's not done anywhere else in the world, and if it is done somewhere else in the world, not on that same scale, same scale where it is marketed and promoted. I mean, the moral degradation and, and sexual perversion and debauchery that takes place in this country and the racism that is still present in this country yes. uh, is marketed and manipulated and used um, to such a degree that it has become a cancer that is eating away at the internal parts of America. Now. Uh, having said that I am a Muslim mm -hmm. and I am an American, so I have two families. I have a spiritual family, which is the Muslims from all over the world. And then I have a, uh, um, uh, you can call it a, a citizenship um, that I belong to. And according to the Islamic rules, I have certain responsibilities as an American citizen. I have responsibilities to my fellow Americans. I don't, I don't have a special responsibility to black Americans. I mean, you know, because they're my family. Of course, if somebody's my family, I got a special right. responsibility to my family. And if people who live in my neighborhood, I, I do. 
but not simply because they're black. No, I have a responsibility to Americans. I also have a, a political responsibility to my government because even though I don't agree with, maybe I don't agree with the, the international profile and uh, the policies of, uh, of my president, which I don't, um, and I most certainly don't condone the the the, uh, the the actions and behavior of our past president, Mr. Clinton, inside the White House. You know, that people can just say, well, you know, the president, he's just a human being. Right. And you know, and excuses. like, you know, make excuses. And he's still a great man. He's still making $250,000 a year. He's still getting 100000 when he's speaking. You know what I mean? And we can move on. And even his wife, who was silent about that, stood by her man. You know what I mean? All that right. kind of stuff like that. And now uh, she can run for president. So, I don't, you know, when she gets to the White House, you know, maybe she'll have a lover in the White House too. I don't know. But I'm saying, I say that's wrong. I say, as an American, that's wrong. Now, if other people don't want to say it's wrong, I say that's wrong. I don't say it's wrong because they're white folks. I say it's wrong because human beings who have responsible positions should be more dignified than yes. that. Shame on him. Shame on them. Uh, and I don't agree with Mr. Bush. Uh, I think Mr. Bush and his father. You know, uh, just like those racists who were having slaves in the South and they wanted to fight others just to keep their slaves. Well, I think Mr. Bush, that is the junior, and his father, mm -hmm. both of them is the same kind of people. They just sophisticated racists, but now the racism has moved beyond the plantation. It's not the North and the South. Now it's the new American century type racism where because we're Americans and because we're white and because we think we're right and we need to rule the world, we say, because we got power, we say, because, you know what I'm saying, we are absolutely correct that we can go in anywhere and take anything and we can throw anybody, we can kill anybody, we can do anything. That's the new American century. But a century is only a hundred years. So even if God allows them to do what they're doing for another century, mm -hmm. I think that would be the last century for America. I think, if they keep acting that way. Because every other people who were privileged and blessed in some part of the world that acted that way is gone. And history repeats itself. And history repeats itself. Now that's the law of God. That ain't the law of Khalid. Yes. This ain't the law of yes. the Muslims. Yes. It ain't gonna be no Taliban or it's not gonna be you know, some, you know, Iran. It's not gonna be no, no, uh, no, no Muslim terrorists or whatever that's gonna make that happen. Mm -hmm. This is not an issue. We shouldn't have a war on terror. Uh, and if there is a war on terror, it should be the wholesale terrorists and the retail terrorists. Yes. You see, it should be the sophisticated, smooth criminals mm -hmm. and those that's unsophisticated. We should start with terror that's going on from the, we should start from the terror that's, that's, that's taking place from within, gone out, and the terror, you know what I mean, that's coming inside. Now, I, I think that's only being fair and that's only being objective. So, uh, now, this means that if we talk about Islam, we need to remove the misconceptions and distortions about Islam so that people can look into Islam like this glass of water. Because if, you know, if I was, if I didn't know you or, and you gave me a glass and the glass was black and I didn't know whether you drink or whatever it is, I might have to say to you, um, sister, what's that? Mm -hmm. You would say, oh, that's water. I say, oh, okay, good, because I trust you because you're Muslim. But if, you know, if I see everybody else drinking alcohol, and you give me a glass and, and fill it up. I said, what's that? You say, oh, it's just, don't worry about it, you know. So I, I had to smell it. You see, you see what's in it. Mm -hmm. Because I would say, if everybody else drinking alcohol, it might be some alcohol in there. I don't drink no alcohol. Mm -hmm. 
So for Islam, if we don't want people to suspect us, we want everything to be clear, if we want, if we want people to understand Islam, and maybe they want to appreciate Islam and us, then our representation of Islam should be clear like this glass of water. Mean clear means transparent. Mm -hmm. So the Quran and the Sunnah or the practice of the Prophet is clear like that glass of water. Anybody who sees into it can see right through it, can understand it for what it is. And the beautiful thing about it is that whether a person is black or white, male or female, tall or short, rich or poor, whether they're from China or whether they're from Africa, whatever it is, if they taste Islam one time, they'll know if they like that or not. And this is the beauty of Islam. But we Muslims is something different. And we have to distinguish that when we talk to people. This is Islam, mm -hmm. and these are Muslims. Now, regarding Muslims, I say, and I have to be honest about this, that there's a lot of misconceptions and distortions about Islam and Muslims. Based on prejudice, based upon ignorance, based upon confusion, and then based upon the um, distortion or the distorted behavior of Muslims. Now, uh, it's one thing. Like that's, that's one of the major problems is that you have people that want to know about Islam or, or convert to Islam, but then they see different groups of people practicing different things and they think that it's Islam when a lot of times they put culture with religion and they mm -hmm. pass it off as, as yeah. Islam when that's not the case. So we, we, we call that, we call people that. People have to try to. To understand, everybody wants to know what is Islam, mm. what is the basic principle of Islam. That's right. To make those comparisons, they hear these different groups, the Sunni, the Shiite, the Wahhabis, they hear, you know, the, the Nation of Islam, mm. all those different groups that's doing things a little differently. Mm. They want to know what is Islam, what should be practiced, what is the right way mm. without being misguided. Then, then we have to tell uh, people that um, we have to learn to separate the people from the baggage separate the people from the baggage um, because the baggage is what they brought. Mm -hmm. See, the people who claim to be Muslims, ask them what they believe. Ask them what is Islam based on their beliefs. Ask them what the Quran says. Ask them what is the behavior of the Prophet, peace and blessing upon us. Then, you know, when you ask them that, if they're honest, and, then, and don't ask just anybody, ask those who know, those who have graduated from universities, those who are religious examples. Mm -hmm. Ask the best of the Muslims what Islam is, and the majority of them will be honest enough to tell you the Quran says this. The Prophet Muhammad's life, peace and blessing upon him, was like this. The next question is, then tell me, why do Muslims do this, and this, and this, and this? If they're honest, they'll say, oh, that's the culture. So then the culture is something that we can put to the side. It's like the peeling of the banana. We don't need that. Mm -hmm. It's like the peeling of, of the of the of, of the potato. We don't need that. Although now you know they're cooking potatoes now with the with, with the skin, with on, the skin on it because they find have some nutrition. Yeah. So right. cultures have some benefit. Right. But if we really want to get down to the root of it, the world don't need the, the 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 shell. The world doesn't need my baggage. What we should give to the world is the medicine, the Quran itself. And so uh, uh, what I always try to say to non-Muslims. Um, is that um, if you don't want to know about Islam, go to a non-Muslim source. Meaning, go to the library. Get to, get to the Encyclopedia Britannica. Before you go to the mosque, before you ask a Muslim who worked with you or lived with you or whatever about Islam, first ask some authorities who may not be Muslims, but they are objective uh, uh, 
teachers, professors. They might teach uh, Oriental studies. They might teach, um, they, they might be authorities on the Islamic religion and the Muslim culture. Ask them, go to sources that can't really lie about documentation of Islam. So, go to your university, go to your college, go to the public library. Read about Islam from objective sources. After you read from objective sources, then go to a mosque, go to an Islamic center, and ask them for a copy of the Quran. Ask them to give you a book. Go to an Islamic bookstore and get a small book on the life of the Prophet, peace and blessing upon him, and then read that. Then after you do that, go to Muhammad or Ahmed or Fatima or, you know, or, or Aisha, who work with you or go to school with you. Ask them, what is Islam? Now, they can't lie to you because you already did something. <laughs> see, they, so you have a little... Yeah, yeah. Little and when they bring something strange to you, you didn't read before, mm -hmm. you say, no, well, I, didn't, I didn't read that. Where did that, that came from? Then you can question them. You can question them. Now, so if you are objective from the beginning and you are open-minded from the beginning and open-handed and open-hearted from the beginning, mm -hmm. you have a chance to understand Islam. So I don't say to people they should be Muslims because everybody don't necessarily should be. You know, when you, uh, everybody... You know, what's a blind man going to a movie house for? <laughs> he don't belong there. Okay? I mean, that's, that's the movie house. He, he may need to go somewhere and listen to something. But he don't need to be in no movie house. So there are people in this life that's blind. Morally and spiritually blind. Okay? And something has blinded them. So no need for me to be going there and telling them they should be Muslim. No, first what they need to do, they need to address that disease that have made them like that. So what I go to them and say, listen, you know, uh, there's some issues as a human being, I think that you need to deal with some moral issues, some issues of behavior, some issues of principle. And if I bring religion into it, they don't want to hear that because they're too far off from that. So everybody should not be approached with religion. Some people should be approached with psychology. Some people should be approached with simple education. Some people should be approached because they need food. They need clothes. You know, some people need a job. Mm -hmm. Because we are dysfunctional in different areas, sometimes we need to become functional before we can understand what's right and wrong. So I say that um, when we talk to non-Muslims, we, we as Muslims should not first be wanting to promote our religion, you know, in pamphlet form or booklet form and, you know, saying, why, why you don't be a Muslim, why you don't look into Islam? If people look at Muslims, the question should be, why should a person want to be a Muslim? I mean, you know, what industry... That's a different way to put it. Yeah, what, Muslim, what, what industry of the Muslims is controlling in America? What, what, what industry? If you want somebody looking for a job, what industry the Muslims controlling? If somebody want to go to university, what Muslim university? I mean, you know, if somebody want to buy a car, what, what, what kind of Muslim car we got? If somebody want to buy a house, what, what solution we got for them to buy a house? So, you know, if somebody gets sick, somebody got a problem, you know, maybe they, you know, what, 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 what is the Muslim hospital? So these are things for me, human beings all around the world have needs and there are institutions that address needs. So if we have institutions that serve the needs of the people, when the people see that we respond to their needs, then they might also say, oh, this is a Muslim hospital. Oh, what's it? What's this? Oh, this is a, this is a Muslim school. Oh, this oh, this is beautiful. What this? What's this Islam about? Then, then they may want to. But what would motivate somebody to want to be a Muslim just because of the fact that we say the Quran is the book of God 
and the lights of the prophets are saying should be followed by everybody in the world. That might be true. But what would motivate a person to be that? Let's look on the other side. What would motivate people to become Christian? We ain't talking about in America now. We're talking about in Africa. Why would people become Muslims in Africa? Why would somebody become a Christian in Africa when they're already a Muslim or a Hindu or a Buddhist or a fire worshiper or animist? Or why would somebody become a Christian? Because the Christian missionaries is going into Africa, not first with the cross, not first you know, with the Bible, but they're going there with food, now. they're going there with medicine, they're going there building houses, they're building, building wells, giving people something to drink. You know, educating the people, relieving them of their situations. And so that appeals to them. That appeals to them. Then they're giving the kids toys. And then they're giving the kids with lollipops with a cross inside. Then they're giving them injections that relieve them. But when they come back to get the injection again, they say, look, this comes by the grace of Jesus Christ. If if you want this medicine, just say, uh, take Jesus Christ as your Savior. First they say, well, I don't know what that means. They say, well, we'll come back and we'll explain to you again. But they, they give them food first. And, so you know, they get, they, get, they get, well, you know. In a sense? In a sense. So, you know, and I'm not saying all of them do that. But, you know, just, I'm just giving you an I'm analogy. You. You, I'm just giving you an analogy. So, I'm saying we can see that it is more practical to provide people with their needs. And Islam is the religion that brings, the, Islam is a bread and butter religion. Islam is a religion of bringing relief to the people. Islam speaks about, you know, something clothing the sick, you know, I mean, healing the sick and clothing the needy and dealing with the yatim, the, the orphans and the widows and the dealing with the family and building up the community and protecting the morals. And that's what Islam talk about. Islam is not just worshiping inside the mosque, reading from some scriptures, waiting for some holy days to practice some particular, you know, thing. That's not the, that's just some rituals that we do. Why would somebody want to do all those rituals when they don't see Muslims involved in nothing? Okay, let's just say Minnesota. Most people talk about the things that you can't do as yeah. Muslims. So you got you got poor people in, in, in Minnesota. I mean Minneapolis, right? I mean you I mean you gotta have some gotta have some poor I ain't seen no homeless people in the street, but I'm sure there's some place where there's some homeless people. We so got homeless the, people. So it's the, it's the, it's the, and most of them are African American. Okay. Do the Muslims go down there and talk to the homeless people? Or do the people go to the Salvation Army? They go, to they go to Salvation Army. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, you know, why does why Salvation Army call itself an army? I mean, we should be looking into that. Why they got, why, why they got a right to have an army? That's a good question. I mean, you know, why the Muslims don't have a Salvation Army? We, we, should, we should have an Inspiration Army. A salvation Army. The Salvation got an army, but everybody knows that the Salvation Army, it is not a military organization, although it is built on military principles. They wear military uniforms. Their officers have captains, lieutenants, and all of that. And the original Salvation Army structure was structured on the basis of military. So because they had that regimentation, but the thing is that their focus was human service. Because their focus was human service in the name of Jesus Christ, people don't even associate it like that anymore. People say the Salvation Army does what? It feeds people, clothes people. Houses people, addresses people's needs. Okay, because now the Salvation Army is the largest faith-based service organization in the world. So go to every major city in the world, in in America, I mean, not faith uh, in the world, but in America, the largest faith-based organization in the in the America, mm-hmm. the Salvation Army. Go to every big city in America, in, in, in America. Salvation Army got a huge building. Yeah. Because of what? Because government grants for faith-based organizations 
Salvation Army is getting 30% or 40% of that money. Huge amounts of money. Why the Muslims ain't intelligent enough to do what the Salvation Army is doing? No, Muslims are so engaged in rituals and culture that they can't see, they can't see the forest for the trees. So what I'm proposing to different Muslims as I move around and proposing to non-Muslims is that we take a good look, we Muslims should take a good look at our Islam, our system of life. And then take a good look at ourselves. Purge ourselves of a lot of this culture uh, and personal, national, racist stuff that is clouding the issues of Islam. Purge ourselves of that, reform ourselves so that we would be better models and, uh, and representatives of Islam, the system that we represent. But I'm saying to the American people, this country was established upon some principles of God, country, justice, and the people, and freedom and liberty and all these different things. And even though, if, even if those things was kind of like used as a veneer, you know, and there was something else going on, you know, uh, uh, you know that, that, that Masonic Illuminati, all that kind of stuff was going on, but still the principles was there. Mm -hmm. So if this was the country, if this country was established like that, with a constitution that's got all those phrases inside of it that attracted people to come here, I say that that was good. Because those same principles that Islam, that America was established upon, is the same principles that Islam was established upon. Brotherhood, freedom, yes. liberty, yes. justice, God. That's what this, you know, so Islam got a lot, America got a lot in common with Islam. The constitution of Islam and the constitution of America got a lot in common, if we were to put them into practice. Therefore, the Muslims who live in America, you see, we got a lot in common with the American people, ideologically. But from a cultural point of view, there's a wall of misunderstanding. From a personal point of view, there's a wall of misunderstanding. We need to knock those walls down so that the, the Muslim people who live in America can start to have a real appreciation for the American people and their, and their ills and their problems and their situations. And then the American people, they will be able to look into the Muslims who's in America and see that they have a genuine concern in America, not just to take, not just to be taken from America, but they got something to offer. Now when that wall is removed and there, a reciprocation starts taking place, when people start giving and taking, people start listening, People start offering advice to each other. You'll find the prejudice starts to go away. Um, you'll find that the misconceptions and distortions start to be modified. You start to see people talking, you know, eyeball to eyeball, heart to heart. You know, you find that when Muslims live in neighborhoods, that people start to say, oh, wait a minute. I don't know what they're talking about on the news, about fanatics and, you know, extremists and terrorists and whatever. I got Muslim friends, I got Muslim neighbor, I got a Muslim colleague, and they great people. Right. I mean, you know we talk together, we eat together, our children play together, I done listen, I done been to their moms, they done been to my church, you know, we, we go to the PTA together, you know, they got American, they, they, the American values, they are supporting the American values because those American values, they don't conflict with those Islamic values, and I... And I acknowledge that those Islamic values that they have is good values. So when people start saying that, then there's a possibility, you see? There's a great prospect that through Islam, some of the ills of America can be addressed. And at the same token, some of the ills of the Muslim world, mm -hmm. through American principles and institutions, 
those problems can be addressed. It's, it's a simple formula for me as a sociologist, I put it like, like this here. I say, immorality, what is the meaning of morality and what's the meaning of immorality? Morality means what is right, what is sound, what is healthy, mm -hmm. that everyone can see. Huh? Mm -hmm. What is immorality? Immorality is just the opposite. Okay, so we Muslims, through the Quran and through the Sunnah of the Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, I say that we have the moral high ground. That's my position. I say to fellow Americans that read the Quran and look at the life of the Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, and you will find that the Muslims, through, this, through the Quran and the, 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 the life of the Prophet, we have the moral high ground in all over the world. Yes. And as a result of that, in spite of the problems in the Muslim world, usually our families stay together. So look at America, in spite of all the sophistication, all the sophistication and the, the, um, the progress and technology and science and, you know, all the things that they're doing, what happened to the families? The families in America, is a, it's a fading family. The average person that's in America, they don't even know the extended family anymore. The people don't have a dinner table. You know, right. when you talk about the dinner table, there ain't no dinner table. Right. There ain't no breakfast table, there ain't no dinner table. McDonald's, sure Burger King, you know, McDonald's, Burger King, Pizza Hut, and took over the tables. No more Sunday dinners? There ain't no nothing good kind of dinners. Mom and dad got their own business. Mom sure and dad eat by themselves. Mom and dad got their own set of friends, and sometimes... Because they too mom, working. Yeah, working or smirking. <laughs> they doing something, you know what I'm saying? You no know, more family reunions. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So what has happened is all the values is gone. When the family values is gone, then you've got nothing but individuals who can be taken advantage of. So more technology, less humanity? That, that, that is. So, but let's look at it from this point of view, okay? Because we're all here together. We've got to look across the table at each other, across the street from each other, and see, does my neighbor who's from somewhere else, do, do, does he have an asset? that I need in my life. So these people from Somalia, or these people that's from, uh, from Saudi Arabia, or people from Egypt, or people that's from uh, Bosnia, or whatever, who have moved into America, you know, do they have an asset, although they're here, and they've been moved out of their countries when they come here, is there an asset that they have that as an American, I can see, I mean, they still keep their families together. Mm -hmm. I see them still eating together. You know, I still see they got this here, they got this extended family, the grandmother, you know, the mother and father, the children, they are still in the same place together. We haven't had nothing like that in America for the last 30 years. We got to ask them, what that asset comes from? It comes from a behavior. Where's that behavior come from? A conditioning. Where'd that conditioning come from? The moral high ground of the Quran and the Prophet Muhammad starts saying because family is first. But we don't take the time to get to know our neighbor, to speak to each that's, other, to extend that's lack their of communication. Invitation. We don't. We don't do that. Everyone's is in their own little group, own little culture, own well, little that, community. That's, that's right. So we're to blame for that. Mm, of course, Sister Basima. Look, when there's a breakdown inside the family, usually it's the fault of the mother and the father. Usually, if there's a breakdown in the family values, in the communication of the family, uh, in the progress of the family. Uh, in the dignity of the family, look to the mother and the father and you'll see where it happened. Because if there's a breakdown, the breakdown started somewhere. Mm -hmm. And usually you'll find out there's no communication between the father and mother. Sometimes a father and a mother live together out of habit for 40 years. But they don't have no communication. Mm -hmm. 
they just tolerate each other. Because they'd rather be, you know, that's not like misery love company. Mm -hmm. They'd rather be with each other miserable than to be somewhere else miserable. So the kids deal with this misery and this toleration all their lives until they find other friends and other things that they want to do, and the cycle just keeps on going. So this is America, and I say that America has a lot to offer the world. We can see that. Products right. and services. But now, where's the moral high ground in America? Ask yourself, ask others, the moral high ground in America has been lost. America has no, no morality that they can go and give to the entire world. Nobody in the world wants America's form of morality. True. We can talk about democracy, and that's just a coined phrase. It means the ability for everybody to speak their, their own word. That's beautiful. I'm an American citizen, and I cherish the privilege that I can speak in the public. I can write a book. I can buy land. I can establish an institution. That's part of being an American. That's a privilege that, that, uh, uh, that I do not abuse and I do not trivialize. Wherever I go in the world, uh, I make it clear to people that I'm, an, I'm a Muslim, but I'm an American. And my passport means something. Uh, that in spite of the fact that I'm black and I came out of a racist society, well, this is a different day. Uh, and that wherever I go in the world, I let people know that, well, you know, in America, there's more animal rights then it is human rights. Then in most Muslim world, in the most Muslim countries, there are human rights. Now that happens to be a fact. That ain't because of the Quran. That's not because of the behavior of the Prophet. That's because the culture and the racism and the nationalism and the personalism and other problems of the Muslims in the world have dusted, created layers over the Quran. So now the justice of the Quran. You see, the brightness of the clarity of the Qur'an, the power of the Qur'an, it can't even be felt no more because you got these layers of other stuff that have come over top. I say those things need to be removed. It's just like some silver, a silver dollar dropped in the street 20 years ago. If you find it in the street, it's going to be, what, dusty, dirty. rusty, dirty, whatever. But if you take it and pick it up and polish it off, it's clean, it's, clean. it's still silver. The Qur'an is like that. The Sunnah of the Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, is like that. And it's a well, it's a stream, it's a treasure for the whole world. And I say, every non-Muslim, if you can read or you can listen, you need to read the Qur'an. You need to read about the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, or you need to listen to it if you don't want to never be a Muslim. But a lot of them see what's on TV and the media, and that's another way to keep them from wanting to know about true Islam or want to read because they believe what's on TV. Most of them believe 100% what they see is true and this is how it is. Well, but see, man, that's, that's another way that's true. That's true know. about Islam, but it's true about everything. Media, um, media has a way of distorting everything. Okay, because what is media for? Media is to put images and ideas in the minds of people to exactly. sell products. Exactly. Okay, so um, Americans who pride themselves of, you know, we know all about the world, is the, is the most narrow-minded people you can find when it comes to the world. Ask the average American, ask them where Sri Lanka is at. Just, you know, just in a conversation say, where's Beijing? Where's Sri Lanka? Ask the average American. Ask America, what is the GMP of America? What's, what, what, what do we import? What do we export? Ask the average American. 
What is the average income in the of, the, of, of America, American middle class? What do we mean by the middle class? What do we mean by the upper class? What do we mean by poverty? What is poverty in America? The average person in America doesn't understand that poverty in America probably means high class and somewhere else. Because the average person living in the ghetto, they got at least two TVs, they got at least four, five, six pair of shoes. I mean, everybody in the house. They got a toaster, they got a washing machine, you know, they got a car, they got a computer, they got they got VCR, they got they got they got they got iPods. I mean they got and these people is on welfare now. And they and they 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 spend they they spending fifty dollars a week at McDonald's, Burger King, Pizza Hut. Right. So how they how and these people this people this poverty level. So imagine somewhere so Americans are so um Americans are so programmed and conditioned by media they believe everything the media says. They don't even know what's going on in their own house. They don't even know what's going on in the school that they send their children to. So it is not just that the media exploits people about Islam. The media exploits people about everything. It's just that from a, it is the government's, the present government's position that Islam is an ideological danger. That's what they believe. Now I say Islam is not a danger to America at all. Islam has never been a danger to the entire world. In fact, um, Islam is a treasure. Um, Islam is an asset. Uh, but to say that Islam is an asset and to say that Islam is a treasure is to say that there's something in America that's missing. It is to say, you know, something that that there's some deficits in Islam because if if Americans need Islam, then it means that there's something that's void in America. And certainly, Sister Basima, we know that Islam is the fastest growing in system of faith in America and the world. Mm -hmm. So why are people gravitating towards Islam with all this? Because, look, in spite of what the media is doing, right. see, look, you know, right. for, for, you know, for instance, look, you see, God has his way and the people got their way. See, the message of God is going to be is going to be is going is going to be received by the hearts and minds of human beings, irregardless of all the smoke and all the 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 the, the, the deceptions and chaos. And if God wants some disease to hit you, I don't, you can you can be eating organic foods all your life. If God wants you to get struck by a disease, you're going to get it. And if God want to cure you of something, you can go to a thousand doctors and say that there ain't no hope. But if God want to cure you, God will cure you because God got the power in His hands. Yeah. So, Islam is the tool that God has offered to the world, not to Arabs, not to Asians, not to Africans, not to some people, but Islam is open for everybody to see. And my experience, uh, Sister Basima, is that any person who sits down one afternoon, one evening, or one morning and examines the Quran by themselves, just, just objectively, and I, I tell you, your, your listeners, your audience, I dare you, I dare you to get the Quran. I mean, go to your internet and put in Google, gaggle, giggle, whichever you got, mm -hmm. put, put in Quran, mm -hmm. and then after that, read it. I mean, because now you, on, the, on the internet, you can get the whole Quran now. You can, yes you can. Okay, so sit down and read it. Not, not because, uh, you know, a college said it or anybody, just, just sit down and read it, just like you read something else, just read it. Put it in the Prophet Muhammad, we say peace and blessing be upon him because he he he, he do that. 
that 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 uh, that uh, uh, that invocation. But just put a, the Prophet Muhammad and then see his light and then read it. I dare you. Why? Because if you take an hour or two and read something on the Quran, an hour or two, I guarantee you that you're gonna want to read another hour. You're going to want to find out how could this man be like this here. This can't not be true. Maybe somebody lying. Check some other websites and read some other books and, and you find out the people. It's not lying. You say, hold on, why do you know about this man? How, how was it that I never read about this book? I mean, is this God's book or what is this? Who was it written by? Once you find out that this is God's book, I mean, you know, the same God of Moses, same God of Abraham, same God of Jesus, same God of Noah, same God you know, of John the Baptist, same God. And you see that Muhammad, he's from that same line of prophets. You know, Abraham, Noah, Solomon, David, Isaac, Jacob, Jesus Christ, John the Baptist, Muhammad. You say, wait a minute, how come I didn't know that? Because nobody told you about that. You never took the time to look into it. Now, then, you can take a little bit further. If you really want to take the time to look, go, go inside your house one day. Shut the phone off. Pull out the plug from the refrigerator. Cut off all the lights. Put everybody out the house. So it's silence. You know, pull out all the shades. No, no, no distractions at all. <laughs> and then go inside a closet inside your house and sit in that closet in the dark for half an hour and think about that Quran. Think about what you read about the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings. And then come out that closet and tell me what you think. Mm. I dare you. You say that's crazy. He's talking crazy. <laughs> that's what people like. Yeah, okay. But really I, I, in the closet? What? I say, I dare you. Because sometimes we need solitude. I say go inside that closet standing up before you go into another closet laying down. Because that's what the grave is. See, yes. once you go inside the grave, you're in another closet. Yes. But you can't come back out this time. I say go into a closet that you can come back out and mm. think about your life. Mm. Then after that, you might, you might be ready to select something Different. Don't always be listening to what people tell you. Learn to think for yourself. If the Quran is no good, read it and say it's no good. If the life of the prophet, peace and blessing upon him is no good, read about him and say no good. But don't let something good just pass you by because other people are saying something. And you know that the Daily News or the Tribune or whatever they call it here, they ain't telling all the truth now. They don't even tell all the news because they ain't know all the news. So you can't rely upon them. You can't rely, rely upon Channel 2, Channel 6, Channel 7, Fox, CNN or BNN or any other NNN. You can't rely upon them to bring you the evidence. You've got to find it for yourself. When people well, find out... too lazy to do that. They just want somebody to just give them what they need. They well, don't want to work. They don't, want, they don't feel like they have to. Then I'll tell them what a dentist put up on a billboard. Just leave your teeth alone. They'll go away. <laughs> because they are right <laughs> <laughs> just leave the teeth alone they'll go away so just leave life just, just, just leave and everything that's valuable will just go away I say to Americans that this is a wonderful country a blessed country meaning that see in spite of the sins of the people when God blesses an area a people he gives it to them and he gives them a time no matter what sins they do what oppression what filth, what disrespect and ungodliness that they do if God said 
He give them this power and he give them these, these privileges for some time. Nobody can't take it. So nobody can't do nothing with America right now. It ain't because of George Bush. It ain't because of no other body. It's because God has given America its time. But Americans shouldn't be arrogant. Because whatever God has given anybody was never for a long time. It was only for a time. All great nations have come and go. And every nation has its infancy, has its adolescence, has its adulthood, and has its old age. And I say that America's in the twilight. It's like a star that, that fell already. But when you just see in the light, but it fell out the sky thousands of light years ago. So the falling, the failing of America, it may have already happened. But it just hasn't manifested itself to us. But we're living in America. We have a chance to plan something different. We have a chance to change the course. So it's what is the solutions that, what are the solutions? Americans have to talk. Talking. Americans have to communicate. Americans have to bring God back to the table. God, Americans got to bring morality back to the schools, to the government. But they're keeping that out. They took the tip. Well, we, well, 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 this is the battle. This the battle that goes on in life. So it's a spiritual warfare. Yeah, the, good the, the, well, evil. The, that's it. And I say, I say that all the people of morality, whether they're Christians or Hindus or Buddhists or or Muslims or whatever they are, the moral majority of this country and the moral majority of the world, they got to talk. Otherwise, the immoral minority. And I believe in my heart that basically all human beings is good. Inside every human being, mm -hmm. even the worst of them, there's good. good. But there's some human beings that have made a pact with the devil. And they ain't going to break that pact because you know, somebody they don't enter a, a pact of loyalty. There's some evil, dark, wicked human beings that you cannot believe the things that they will do. But they are a minority. And I say that the moral majority, and we Muslims, we are only part of the moral majority. The Christians in, this, in America, you know, there are people who are Christians. I don't just mean born Christians. I mean people who go to church every day. People who believe, who read the Bible. People who know that fornication is wrong. People that know that adultery is wrong. People that know drug dealing, drug taking is wrong. People that know that homosexuality and lesbianism is wrong. People that know that stealing and robbing and killing and invading is wrong. People that know that's wrong and that's ungodly will say that. Well, I say that. Don't tell Christians they need to be Muslims. First, let all the moral people of America stand up together. Let's the, let the moral-minded people, let's talk together. And let's start to talk about America and how we can heal America. Mm -hmm. Let's let the Muslims come with what they got. Let the Christians come with what they got. The Hindus and the Buddhists. Let everybody come and talk about it. Mm -hmm. Now I'm not saying let's create a, a one world faith. That's not what I'm talking about. I believe that Islam has got the moral high ground. I, I would tell Christians when we come together and talk. Mm -hmm. I believe that the Quran has got the spiritual high ground. It is the book of God. Yeah. I say that the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him. I say that he is the most comprehensive universal prophet and messenger for the whole world. That's my conviction. And I can talk with them about that. Mm -hmm. But if they don't accept that, I can't keep shoving it down their throat. Let's deal with the problem together. I can't tell, I can't say what well, we Muslims, 
we got to be dealing with them Christian, dealing with them Jewish people. We don't get dealing with them Hindus and them Buddhists because they from out there. No, we all in the boat together. It's called America. Right. Either we solve the problems of America together or this country will fall out. And those who have immigrated here, when the bottom of America fall out, where are they going back to? We got to appreciate the assets of America. But in order to appreciate the assets of America, we got to save America from the immorality and the degradation and the things that is eroding the bottom of this country. Then when we come to Islam, yes, we are Muslims and we believe we have the spiritual high ground. We think we have the, the, uh, we think we have the, the credibility for a point of, of, uh, of, the, of the Quran and the life of the Prophet, peace and blessing upon him. We have the scriptural high ground. We have the prophetic high ground. We, I believe that. And I, I can talk with Christians and all people all over the world and show them that. But the bottom line is, I say that Muslims have many problems. Just look all over the Muslim world and see all the problems. I say that some of the institutional integrity that's in America, we need to transfer that to the Muslim world. Because the Muslim world has institutional immorality. Okay. See, America has institutional integrity. But in the Muslim world, we have institutional immorality. But in the Muslim world, we have internal spiritual morality that you can see in spite of all the challenges affecting the Muslims till their families are intact. Mm -hmm. You don't find very many Muslims drinking, drugging, right. perverting. You don't find that too much. You don't find too many lesbian, homosexual Muslims. You don't find that. I mean, I'm not saying that it right. doesn't exist. But it's not, skill as it uh, it's not blatant. Now on billboards, ain't no shows. It ain't nothing that's approved by the government. You ain't gonna find no Muslim men marrying Muslim men, Muslim women marrying Muslim women, endorsed by a Muslim country and government. You'll never see that. Mm. So it hasn't reached that level. So I say that the morality of Islam is inside, but the immorality is in their institutions. See, the immorality of America is blatant like a, like a, like a cancer that's, that's just oozing pus. You can, anybody from the world can see it. But the, the institutions of America have integrity. You see the post office in America, what time they say it's supposed to open? It open. Mm -hmm. You see the schools, how they operate. The universities, how they operate. You see all the institutions in all of America uh, offering services, all kind of diversified services all over America from coast to coast. People get services and people come here because of the institutional integrity. Exactly. I say the institutional integrity that America has shown the world and is leading the world, the Muslims in their countries, they need to get that institutional integrity. But the morality that is inside Islam, that, that, that has, that, 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 that's inside the Muslim people, that we can see the evidence of it, Americans need that. So we have something to offer each other. So when we talk about Islam and we talk about America, Islam and America, problems and solutions, I say it calls for us to talk. Open-minded, open-hearted, open-handed. So when Muslims and non-Muslims, who are also fellow Americans, begin to talk reciprocal across the table, mm -hmm. honestly across the table, uh, from the, on the top, all the way down to the bottom, we're going to see that first we're going to discuss the problems and make an uh, analysis of it, then we're going to make a diagnosis of it, then we're going to find the solutions. And the solutions are on both sides. The solutions are in Islam, and there's some solutions that's in America, and we happen to be here. So I'm just trying to put forward a, a hypothesis or a proposition 
um, that, that uh, the Muslims of America, um, the 60% the, the, the that are immigrants, need to wake up and smell the coffee. I say all the immigrants that live in America, I don't care if you're third generation immigrants, you need to wake up and smell the coffee. If this is your country, then you have a responsibility to this country. And if you don't think this is your country, why, why are you here? Why do you keep taking the tax dollars of the people? You see, why are you acting, why are you isolated? Why are you not, uh, why you don't want to call yourself an American, but you're taken from the American people? You should wake up and smell a coffee. Hmm. If you don't think you are an American and you don't owe a responsibility to other fellow Americans, then what you need to do is take the gift that's been given to you by America and go back wherever it is you want to go to. Now, on the other hand, the American people need to look at what their government is doing to them and what kind of road the government is taking them down. And there's nobody that can stop the American government from taking us down this road that's going to lead us, I think, to oblivion, to moral degradation, debauchery, and hatred from the entire world. And nobody can stop the American government except who? People. Now, God can stop all the people. But I'm saying before God brings his judgment down on America, which inevitably will come. It's when a government. people speak out, then they say they... They know, say, we say this is a government by the people, for the people. So the people got to speak out. So I'm saying to people, as an American, I think I have a right, I mean, as far as I know, even though, you know, the Patriot Act and this new war on terror and all that is, you know, modifying rights. a lot of our rights, but still, we still got the rights to be able to say, no, I don't think this is right, and yes, this is what I believe is correct, we got a right to promote our beliefs and our values. And as Americans, I think that as a Christian, as a Hindu, as a Buddhist, or a Muslim, or an atheist, or whatever you are, bring your morals and your principles and your values, bring it out on the table, and let's talk about it. Let's talk about the problems and the solutions of America. We as Muslims, we say that we got problems and we want to be honest about it, but we believe that we got solutions. So we should, look at, we should be looked at, if I was a black doctor, a Muslim doctor, you know, and you know, like, and even if I look like Osama bin Laden coming to your house. <laughs> but if you're in pain, and I got that black bag, and I relieve you, would you say thank you? Of course you would. You'd yes. be grateful. Because yes. I relieved you. Yes. I say that the Muslims in America got a relief for America. We don't, may not have it in a black bag, but we got a relief for America. But you got to ask me, what is it that you think that Muslims can offer America? Then on the other hand, mm -hmm. the question Muslims got to have is, what does America have for me? We already enjoy what America has for us. Mm -hmm. So it's only right in Islam that if somebody gives you something, you should be what? Grateful. I want to give something back. What do we have to give back to America? Our personal resources. The spiritual resources and guidance that we have received from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through the Quran and through the Sunnah of the Prophet. So I want to start this kind of a dialogue, um, you know, however small it, it is and however far it goes, and uh, as my contribution to the American society and uh, as a part of what I consider to be my legacy. And, you know, there are people who I respect uh, who were not Muslims uh, because they left a moral legacy. And there are Muslims that I respect who left a moral legacy. I, I'm asking Almighty God to let me benefit from those who left a moral legacy, even if they're not Muslims. And then those who were Muslims who left a moral legacy, I'm asking Allah to let me be a benefit for, with them in this life, and also hopefully I'll be with them in the paradise. 
So uh, th this is this is what the message is, is about. It's it's not about us as Muslims. It's about us as Americans. Um, and then it's about each one of us as American. What do we have from where we came from and who we are? What do we have to be able to resolve the issues of America? And as Muslims, what can we take from America, uh, really and realistically, to address the problems of the Muslim world and to address our own problems as Muslims living in America? So, Basim, I think we took a lot more time than you allotted to us, but maybe you can split this up. Probably split it up. You can split it up. But I think you made some good points and some good issues, and I think it's something that's needed to be heard. Yeah, maybe the next time we come to talk with you, what we could talk specifically about some of the issues. Okay. Because I'm sure some of your listeners might say, while we're talking, in their minds might be a whole lot of issues in their minds stacked up about Muslims that we didn't get a chance to talk well, about. Well, of course. Yeah. And then, in my mind, uh, I didn't really elaborate upon the problems that I have lived with and witnessed mm -hmm. in America. So we need to talk about those issues, and then one by one, we need to talk about um, prospective solutions. And maybe the dialogue will begin. Maybe somebody, some people more intelligent than us, more resourceful than us, will take it to another level. So, but uh, thank you very much, sister, for the work that you're doing. Um, is your, your program is called Islam in Review. Islamic Islam Review. Islamic Review. Yes. Well, I say that uh, all the people who are watching free cable and cost you nothing but a little bit of time should watch this program and support this sister, and especially all Muslims in this in this city. Shame on you! All of you should send. Yeah, all of you should send. Five dollars or a dollar or whatever you can to this sister. So expand her work because she's doing the work for you. You know, if somebody's out on the frontier fighting for you and you home sleeping and enjoying the safety of somebody else out there fighting, you, you should support that person because while you're sleeping and resting, that person's out there battling for you to make you able to sleep and rest. So I say, here's a sister that's out there battling on the frontier. And the Muslims of this city, I say there's supposed to be about 100,000, 120,000 mm -hmm. Muslims in this city. Mm -hmm. If, you know, let's say three, two-thirds is children, so they ain't got no money. They, they just make a prayer for Sister Basima. Yeah. But the other 40,000 Muslims that's in this city, if they, all of them just said a dollar a month, just a dollar. Ain't no money. Send a dollar to the sister. We may find that six months from now, the sister's on mainstream television. Now we can really talk about some trying issues. To get a studio put together. See, so I, I, that's what I propose. That's what I'm trying to do. See, now if there's not, if there ain't, there's no other Muslims that got a TV program here. Don't be, don't be. Uh, what, what, they, what the kids in the street call it? Yeah, don't, 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 what they call it? No, they, yeah, don't be hating. Don't, don't be, don't be, don't be player hating. <laughs> you know, don't be player hating. You know, you don't, you don't, don't be jealous and envious. You know, why the sister? Oh, she black. What she know about is blah 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 blah. No, no, no. You, you see us sitting here, there's a Muslim brother here from Somalia, brother Abdullah, another brother sitting across from me, brother Mu'min. You know, so we Muslim representing the whole world, and we all can see the situation that we hear. If we had more time, if the sister had an hour show, if she had a mainstream show, we could invite different people, the mayor, councilmen, you know, the, 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 what do they call it, the chamber of commerce. We can really discuss issues, but the sister doesn't have the resources to do so. We need to provide those resources. So may Allah bless you, and if I can get a little plug for, you know, for IIN Media. IIN Media is an organization that is licensed to broadcast satellite television 
uh, we have two licenses in Europe and we, are, uh, we will be collaborating with some other organizations that have uh, uh, ambitions to broadcast television. We'll be webcasting some purpose of life television, uh, probably sure. after Hajj, that means sure. maybe four or five months we'll be broadcasting purpose of life television. Yes, and what we will be doing is providing Sister Basima with some backup, some support that she needs. So uh, it's about collaboration and cooperation. And so I'm advising all the Muslims, media is the way that we want to uh, uh, promote Islam. Because that's the new, this is, this, this is the real battlefield, media. Because uh, uh, images and words and ideas are penetrating houses uh, and hearts and minds faster than anything else. Yes. So we should support the sisters so that our message of goodness and our message of Islam can reach the rest of the people. Thank you so much, Sister Basim. Okay, you're welcome. And thank you for coming on the show. And thank you for watching Islam with you. Assalamu alaikum.